welcome to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio.
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Distorted who you 
left and closed the door Would my flesh cry out I don't need you Great. 
This is Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the With his own blood he bought her And for her For her. 
Listening to Songs of Praise. I thought I did what's right. I thought I had the answers. I thought I chose the surest road, but that road brought me here. So I put up a fight and told you how to help me. Now just when I could give it up, the truth is coming clear. You. Getting through, 
I try to do what's best. Now faith has made it easy to see the best thing I can do is put my trust in you.
stripes for those he came to save. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the
You're listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's Songs of Praise. Trust Him, are you hurt? 
sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth for everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith, yes, living by faith. In, Jesus above, in Jesus above, trusting, confide, trusting confiding in His great love, yes, in His great love. Sheltering arm, is sheltering arm. I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Feel no 
tempests may blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life. I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies, a master looks on at the strife. Living by faith, yes, living by faith, in Jesus above, in Jesus above, trusting, confide, trusting, confiding in His great love, yes, in His great love, from all harm safe, in His sheltering arm, His sheltering arm, I'm living by faith, I'm living by faith, and feel no safely will carry me through no matter what evils betide why should i then care though the tempest may blow if jesus walks close to my side living by faith yes living by faith in jesus above in jesus above trusting confide trusting confiding in his great love Sheltering on is sheltering on. I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Feel no alarm. Our Lord will return to this earth some sweet day. Our troubles will then all be o'er. The Master so gently will lead us away beyond that blessed heavenly shore. Living by faith, yes, living by faith in Jesus above, in Jesus above, trusting, confide, trusting, confiding in His great love, yes, in His great love. From all harm safe, from all harm safe, in His sheltering arm, His sheltering arm. I'm living by faith, I'm living by faith and feel no been listening to Songs of Praise, a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter entitled, The Pearl. 
the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, was the former rain, but the latter rain will be more abundant. The Spirit awaits our demand and reception. Christ is again to be revealed in His fullness by the Holy Spirit's power. Men will discern the value of the precious pearl. And with the Apostle Paul they will say, What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. The net, based on Matthew 13, verses 47 to 50. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of this world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The casting of the net is the preaching of the gospel. This gathers both good and evil into the church. When the mission of the gospel is completed, the judgment will accomplish the work of separation. Christ saw how the existence of false brethren in the church would cause the way of truth to be evil spoken of. The world would revile the gospel because of the inconsistent lives of false professors. Even Christians would be caused to stumble as they saw that many who bore Christ's name were not controlled by His Spirit. Because these sinners were in the church, men would be in danger of thinking that God excused their sins. Therefore Christ lifts the veil from the future and bids all to behold that it is character, not position, which decides man's destiny. Both the parable of the tares and that of the net plainly teach that there is no time when all the wicked will turn to God. The wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest. The good and the bad fish are together drawn ashore for a final separation. Again, these parables teach that there is to be no probation after the judgment. When the work of the gospel is completed, there immediately follows the separation between the good and the evil, and the destiny of each class is forever fixed. God does not desire the destruction of any. As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die? Ezekiel 33 verse 11. Throughout the period of probationary time, His Spirit is entreating men to accept the gift of life. It is only those who reject His pleading that will be left to perish. God has declared that sin must be destroyed as an evil ruinous to the universe. Those who cling to sin will perish in its destruction. Things New and Old This chapter is based on Matthew 13, verses 51 and 52. While Christ was teaching the people, he was also educating his disciples for their future work. In all his instruction, there were lessons for them. After giving the parable of the net, he asked them, Have ye understood all these things? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then in another parable, he set before them their responsibility in regard to the truths they had received. Therefore he said, Every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. The treasure gained by the householder he does not hoard. 
he brings it forth to communicate to others, and by use the treasure increases. The householder has precious things both new and old. So Christ teaches that the truth committed to his disciples is to be communicated to the world, and as the knowledge of truth is imparted, it will increase. All who receive the gospel message into the heart will long to proclaim it. The heaven-born love of Christ must find expression. Those who have put on Christ will relate their experience, tracing step by step the leadings of the Holy Spirit, their hungering and thirsting for the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ whom He has sent, the results of their searching of the Scriptures, their prayers, their soul agony, and the words of Christ to them, Thy sins be forgiven thee. It is unnatural for any to keep these things secret, and those who are filled with the love of Christ will not do so. In proportion as the Lord has made them the depositories of sacred truth, will be their desire that others shall receive the same blessing. And as they make known the rich treasures of God's grace, more and still more of the grace of Christ will be imparted to them. They will have the heart of a little child in its simplicity and unreserved obedience. Their souls will pant after holiness, and more and more of the treasures of truth and grace will be revealed to them to be given to the world. The great storehouse of truth is the Word of God, the written Word, the book of nature, and the book of experience in God's dealing with human life. Here are the treasures from which Christ's workers are to draw. In the search after truth, they are to depend upon God, not upon human intelligences, the great men whose wisdom is foolishness with God. Through his own appointed channels, the Lord will impart a knowledge of himself to every seeker. If the follower of Christ will believe his word and practice it, there is no science in the natural world that he will not be able to grasp and appreciate. There is nothing but that will furnish him means for imparting the truth to others. Natural science is a treasure house of knowledge from which every student in the school of Christ may draw. As we contemplate the beauty of nature, as we study its lessons in the cultivation of the soul, in the growth of the trees, in all the wonders of earth and sea and sky, there will come to us a new perception of truth. And the mysteries connected with God's dealings with men, the depths of his wisdom and judgment are seen in human life. These are to be found, a storehouse rich in treasure. But it is in the written word that a knowledge of God is most clearly revealed to fallen man. This is the treasure house of the unsearchable riches of Christ. The word of God includes the scriptures of the Old Testament as well as of the New. One is not complete without the other. Christ declared that the truths of the Old Testament are as valuable as those of the New. Christ was as much man's Redeemer in the beginning of the world as He is today. Before He clothed His divinity with humanity and came to our world, the gospel message was given by Adam, Seth, Enoch, Methuselah and Noah. Abraham in Canaan and Lot in Sodom bore the message, and from generation to generation faithful messengers proclaimed the coming one. The rights of the Jewish economy were instituted by Christ himself. He was the foundation of their system of sacrificial offerings, the great antitype of all their religious service. The blood shed as the sacrifices were offered pointed to the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. All the typical offerings were fulfilled in him. Christ is manifested to the patriarchs, 
as symbolized in the sacrificial service, as portrayed in the law, and as revealed by the prophets, is the riches of the Old Testament. Christ in his life, his death, and his resurrection. Christ as he is manifested by the Holy Spirit is the treasure of the New Testament. Our Saviour, the outshining of the Father's glory, is both the old and the new. Of Christ's life and death and intercession, which prophets had foretold, the apostles were to go forth as witnesses. Christ, in his humiliation, in his purity and holiness, in his matchless love, was to be their theme. And in order to preach the gospel in its fullness, they must present the Saviour not only as revealed in his life and teachings, but as foretold by the prophets of the Old Testament and as symbolized by the sacrificial service. Christ in his teaching presented old truths of which he himself was the originator, truths which he had spoken through patriarchs and prophets, but he now shed upon them a new light. How different appeared their meaning! A flood of light and spirituality was brought in by his explanation, and he promised that the Holy Spirit should enlighten the disciples, that the Word of God should be ever unfolding to them. They would be able to present its truths in new beauty. Ever since the first promise of redemption was spoken in Eden, the life, the character, and the mediatorial work of Christ have been the study of human minds. Yet every mind through whom the Holy Spirit has worked has presented these themes in a light that is fresh and new. The truths of redemption are capable of constant development and expansion. Though old, they are ever new, constantly revealing to the seeker for truth a greater glory and a mightier power. In every age, there is a new development of truth, a message of God to the people of that generation. The old truths are all essential, New truth is not independent of the old, but an unfolding of it. It is only as the old truths are understood that we can comprehend the new. When Christ desired to open to his disciples the truth of his resurrection, he began at Moses and all the prophets, and expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Luke 24 verse 27 but it is the light which shines in the fresh unfolding of truth that glorifies the old. He who rejects or neglects the new does not really possess the old. For him it loses its vital power and becomes but a lifeless form. There are those who profess to believe and to teach the truths of the Old Testament while they reject the new. But in refusing to receive the teachings of Christ, they show that they do not believe that which patriarchs and prophets have spoken. Had ye believed Moses, Christ said, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. John 5 verse 46. Hence there is no real power in their teaching of even the Old Testament. Many who claim to believe and to teach the gospel are in a similar error. They set aside the Old Testament scriptures of which Christ declared, They are they which testify of me. John 5 verse 39. In rejecting the old, they virtually reject the new, for both are parts of an inseparable whole. No man can rightly present the law of God without the gospel, or the gospel without the law. The law is the gospel embodied, and the gospel is the law unfolded. The law is the root, the gospel is the fragrant blossom and fruit which it bears. 
The Old Testament sheds light upon the new and the new upon the old. Each is a revelation of the glory of God in Christ. Both present truths that will continually reveal new depths of meaning to the earnest seeker. Truth in Christ and through Christ is measureless. The student of Scripture looks, as it were, into a fountain that deepens and broadens as he gazes into its depths. Not in this life shall we comprehend the mysteries of God's love in giving His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The work of our Redeemer on this earth is, and ever will be, a subject that will put to the stretch our highest imagination. Man may tax every mental power in the endeavor to fathom this mystery, but his mind will become faint and weary. The most diligent searcher will see before him a boundless, shoreless sea. The truth as it is in Jesus can be experienced but never explained. Its height and breadth and depth pass our knowledge. We may task our imagination to the utmost, and then we shall see only dimly the outlines of a love that is unexplainable, that is as high as heaven, but that stooped to the earth to stamp the image of God on all mankind. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. Enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. Her brother is far better known. His books widely circulated. And although fewer people know her name, Annie Smith made a significant contribution in the early days of Adventism. She was a gifted writer, poet, and editor. And 10 of her hymns appeared in the 1941 edition of the church hymnal and four in the current edition today. She was born into a family with three other brothers here in West Wilton in this house today named the Smith Tavern. It would also be the home that she would unfortunately die in at the age of 27. Annie gave her life to Jesus at the tender age of 10 in anticipation of his soon return. Yet when the great disappointment happened, she, along with her brother Uriah, gave up hope in his soon return and they both went back to their studies. Annie was intellectually gifted and received a place at the Charlestown Female Seminary here in Boston, where she spent several years. Her mother, Rebecca, was still a believer. And one day, Joseph Bates came to town and mentioned that he would be in her area. 
her mother wrote to Annie, asking her if she would attend the meetings. She wasn't really interested, but out of a sense of duty and obligation, she agreed to go. After she went to the meetings, at the end of it, Joseph Bates asked her if she wanted to have Bible studies, which she agreed to. At the end of three years study, she accepted the Advent message again, the Sabbath and all its teachings. At the time, Annie had a lucrative job offer to work as a teacher for $1,000 a year, an extraordinary amount at the time, though she had not accepted it. Another opportunity arose to work at the newly relocated Review and Herald office in Rochester, New York. As she weighed at the two offers with financial gain in the one job versus little more than room and board in the other, she chose the latter. Here in Rochester, she worked diligently and soon proved herself as a capable hand in the office. She worked as a copy editor, but also at times she was the acting editor. With James White away often, she would sometimes fill in for him, remarkable considering her young age, and would ensure that the magazine could now have a regular publishing schedule. Previously, with James White's busy speaking itinerary, the magazine wasn't always so regular and consistent in its distribution, but now with Annie there, things changed for the better. Annie had been working at the Review just over a year. When James White's brother and sister, Nathaniel and Anna arrived, both suffering from tuberculosis. Maybe due to the close proximity that they were living in, Annie contracted the disease and went home to live with her mother in November of 1854. All the treatments that she tried didn't work. Ellen White sent $75 of her own money to help, but nothing seemed to work. Annie finished this book of poems here, entitled Home Here and Home in Heaven, 10 days before she died. The last poem she wrote reads, Oh, shed not a tear over the spot where I sleep, for the living and not the dead ye may weep. Why mourn for the weary who sweetly repose, free in the grave from life's burdens and woes. Annie lived a life of sacrifice, dedication and commitment. She gave up a prosperous career to work for the church in return for very little financial gain. It was the sacrifice of mainly young people like this in the early days of our church that caused it to grow so remarkably. And it will be a similar sacrifice by God's people at the end of time that will bring this work to a close. For more episodes in the series, visit lineagejourney.com.